0: Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go over to possess it. And this is still Moses giving his big great speech before he died. 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Moses is saying, if we obey the law of God, we will actually live longer. And this is generally true. Three, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord, the God of thy fathers, hath promised unto thee a land flowing with milk and honey. They're going to increase in the land of Canaan, which will later be called Israel, as they obey the Lord. Whenever they obey the Lord, they flourish, and whenever they disobey the Lord, then tragedies come their way. Four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now this, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, this is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. If you don't understand that God is one, you really don't understand him at all. People get so confused about this issue, and this is why there's actually a lot of cults because a lot of people either don't agree that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are one, or they think that there's only the Father and there's no Holy Spirit and Son, or there's only Jesus and there's no Father and no Holy Spirit. They get really confused because they don't understand how God can be three in one and still be one. But remember, you have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Your body is your physical form, your soul is your personality, and your spirit is the part of you that knows right from wrong. And the spirit is what makes you in God's image. Because God, the angels, the demons, and all humans have spirits. We were created in God's image. Animals have a soul, which is a personality, and they have a body, but they don't have a spirit. They don't know right from wrong. And that's why animals are innocent. So animals are not created in the image of God because they lack a spirit. Now, God, his spirit, we call the Holy Spirit because he is the only person who's holy. That's why his spirit is called the Holy Spirit. But it's still his spirit, just like you have your own spirit. And you and your spirit are not two different people, any more than the Father and his spirit are two different people. God is one. God came in bodily form to earth, and you also have a body, But your spirit and your body are not two different people, and your spirit, your soul, and your body are not three different people. God is one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not three different entities. They're all God. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Him, not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit them. It's Him, one person, and He is the only deity. He is three in one just as we are, but this is what's crucial about the verse. He is the only one that is one. Now, I just said we're three in one because we have a body, soul, and spirit, but we're not unified as one within ourselves. Our body, our soul, and our spirit are always at war with each other. When your soul wants to read a book, which is your personality, your body wants to eat dinner because your body's hungry, and at the same time, your spirit wants to pray. They're constantly at war. There's this constant war, but within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is no war. They are in perfect unity and perfect harmony at all times. And he always has been and he always will be. His body, which is like Jesus, because Jesus came in bodily form, his soul, which is the character of the Father, and his spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, are all in perfect unity, all the time. Whatever the Father wants, the Son wants. Whatever the Holy Spirit works toward, the Son is working toward. When the Son is glorified, the Father is glorified. The power of the Holy Spirit works signs and wonders according to the Father's wishes, and it gives the Son glory. So it's all perfect unity, perfect harmony all the time, and that's why He is one. And even though I'm three in one, I'm not one. Because my three parts are constantly at war with each other. They never agree. My spirit tells me to pay taxes because it's the right thing to do. But my soul doesn't want to pay taxes because my soul knows that the government is robbing me and feels bad about losing the money. So I have to go against my soul's wishes in order to let the spirit override and do what I know is right. And you never have that with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No part of God's wishes are getting overridden at any point because everything the Son wants is exactly the same thing that the Father and the Spirit want. There's no overriding. No part of God takes precedent over the other. So that's why he's one. If you can't understand this verse, you'll never really know God. I promise you that. I guarantee you that. Until you understand that he is one, you'll never really know him. Five, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. We need to constantly be asking ourselves, do we really love God with all that's in us or do we just have him in a corner of our lives where we go to whenever we're in distress? If you really love him with all of your heart, then he's in every aspect of your life and he's controlling every aspect. 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be upon thy heart. 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And this is a great practice that I need to do too, and be thinking about more often. But God wants us to talk about Him and think about Him all day long. When we sit down to dinner, we talk about the Lord. Of course, we can talk about other things too, but the Lord is part of our conversation. When we say hello to somebody, we share a testimony. When we say goodbye to somebody, we pray with them before we part. To just constantly have God on our minds, to wake up reading the Bible and go to bed reading the Bible, to have Bible verses on your wall around your house that you can see, and when your children ask you questions, to answer them from the scripture, using the scripture to answer their question. God actually wants us to make him the focus of our conversation all day long. Now, of course, we can talk about other things, but when he's the focus, then peace enters into our lives, and we're not confused about things, and we make better decisions, and we're teaching others about the Lord. 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be for frontlets between thine eyes. So he's literally telling them to write the law and put it on their body, on their head and on their right hand. And so what the Jews did was they made what's called phylacteries, and these are little boxes that have some sort of a string attached to it. A leather strap usually is attached to the box. The box might even be made of leather. And they would put the Ten Commandments in a little tiny piece of paper or a tiny scroll and put it inside the box and then tie the box to their forehead and tie it to their right hand. And the Jewish men would wear these phylacteries when they were praying. Maybe we'll get into this another time, but I believe with all my heart that the Shroud of Turin is the authentic burial cloth of Jesus Christ because there's overwhelming evidence that it's absolutely authentic. And in the radioactive print that was made on the cloth when Jesus was resurrected, they have discovered that you can see the phylacteries that Jesus was wearing on his forehead and on his right hand, which is pretty awesome. Which means, and I never knew this until I learned this about the Shroud of Turin, that when he was on the cross, he was wearing the phylacteries, which is pretty amazing. Because remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went there to pray. And they wore these phylacteries during prayer, and he was arrested in the middle of his prayer time. So he still had them on for the next day and a half while he was being tortured and sent to the cross. And I never knew that until I saw it in the photo of the Shroud of Turin. So Jesus actually died wearing those. In Revelation, it says that when people take the mark of the beast, they'll either take it on their forehead or on their right hand. And that's because Satan mimics and mocks the Lord. Satan will want people to have a demonic mark on their forehead or their right hand directly because in Deuteronomy here, the Lord commanded the Israelites to put his law on their forehead and on their right hand. And that's why Satan will demand that people put a satanic mark on instead. And it's in defiance of God's law, because Satan hates God's law. We want to practice God's law, and that makes us his people. Nine, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thy house and upon thy gates. Today, Jewish people have something called a mezuzah, and it is a little sometimes a brass or some sort of metal decoration that they put on their front door, and it has a piece of God's law on it. Some Christians have it too because of this Bible verse that says, put my law on your front door. You don't have to have a mezuzah if you don't want one. I don't have one. But just remember that everywhere you go, you should be thinking about God's law and obeying it. 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou didst not build, 11. And houses full of all good things which thou didst not fill, and cisterns hewn out which thou didst not hew, vineyards and olive trees which thou didst not plant, and thou shalt eat and be satisfied. What the Lord has promised the Israelites is... When you go in to take the land of Canaan and you take their cities, you will inherit everything that they built. You'll inherit their olive gardens, their houses and their wells, and you will get to eat the food that they planted and harvested. But you're going to take over and you're going to eat it because of my blessing. 12. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord who brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He's saying, don't forget me and what I've done for you, and don't go back to your sin. Because remember, Egypt represents sin. 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and him shalt thou serve, and by his name shalt thou swear. Only swear on God's name. We don't really need to swear at all. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But if you do swear, only swear on God, and you better mean it, and you better keep your word. We're only to serve God. I don't serve my pastor. I love my pastor. I'm so thankful for my pastor. But he is not my Lord. I serve Jesus. For instance, if my pastor wanted me to join a committee or do some sort of other thing, I would ask Jesus first Jesus, what do you want me to do? And if Jesus says yes, then I'll do it. And if Jesus says no, then I won't do it because Jesus is my master. We don't have any other God, so we don't even make our pastor our God. In some churches, they just jump and run every time the pastor says boo, and that's not biblical. That's not God's plan. Our plan is that we follow Jesus. Sometimes I do participate in church things, and sometimes I don't. It just depends on what I feel the Lord is asking me to do. 14. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the peoples that are round about you, new age is definitely following other gods because all of the hindu gods and the eastern gods are included in new age and if you do yoga you are honoring demons because all of the yoga poses are poses to hindu and buddhist demons when you get into those poses you're actually saluting demons literally and they know it also today A lot of institutions and schools and businesses are pushing the mantra of mindfulness, which means being present, but mindfulness is a new age practice, and it is religious, and it is not Christian. Yeah, of course, we shouldn't be daydreaming when somebody talks to us. We should be listening to what that person says, but practicing mindfulness is a religious practice, and it's totally pagan. So we got to be really careful what we're doing. Also, a lot of these challenges that come out periodically in the mass media saying, oh, here's the iceberg challenge or whatever, you know, go, go dip in a cold lake or whatever it is. Or here's the, I don't know, drink guppies challenge, you know, everybody drink guppies, whatever it is. That kind of stuff is very demonic too, and that also has pagan origins. Don't sign up for every new fad. Don't go participate in what everybody else is doing down at the lake because a lot of times it has pagan origins or cult origins. Be really careful what you take part in. Now also, we have gods today that may not be idols, but they are movie stars, rock stars, athletes, talk show hosts, and whoever else we idolize. We can also make an activity our god, like we can be so obsessed with stamp booking that we neglect our family and neglect our faith and and our walk with the Lord because everything we do is about stamp booking. Anything that separates you from your walk with the Lord is a God, so we have to forsake all of that stuff. For some people, their own children are their God. They live for their children instead of living for Jesus. And yeah, we're supposed to take care of our kids and love them and nourish them and raise them well, but we're supposed to live for Jesus, not our kids. We just need to keep our priorities straight. 15. For a jealous God, even the Lord thy God, is in the midst of thee, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and he destroy thee from off the face of the earth. We don't want to make God angry because he will discipline us. Now, he's not going to destroy us off the face of the earth because we're in the new covenant now, but he will discipline us. And if we stay in sin long enough, he'll eventually let go and let us work out our own demise. 16, ye shall not try the Lord your God as ye tried him in Massa. Massa was when they complained about the bitter water. And what this means is don't complain to God about your life. Don't blame God for things that you don't like. One of the main reasons that we don't like our lives is because our perspective is totally wrong we're looking to get our needs met through worldly pleasures. And then when we can't obtain those worldly pleasures, we get disappointed and then we blame God. But our perspective is wrong in the first place. We shouldn't be looking to attain our happiness and fulfillment from the world. When we stop looking to the world for fulfillment, then we actually become satisfied. And I know this from experience. I used to be really bitter and really, kind of depressed and angry with the Lord because I didn't get fulfilled through worldly things. I didn't have what all my friends had, everything I tried seemed to fail. And I just felt like I was one big failure. I blamed God for it because I was so unhappy and so disappointed with life. But when I became born again, he changed my perspective and showed me that none of that worldly stuff was in his plan for me. His plan for me was to teach his word to other people. When I started understanding that and appreciating the life that God did give me, And the ministry that he gave me, that was when I started feeling fulfilled, happy, satisfied, content, and even joyful. 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. 18. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers. The land is our soul. We will possess our soul when we repent of our sins and obey him. He'll give us a better personality. My personality has changed a lot since I became born again. I'm so much more at peace, calm, level-headed, I'm not confused, I'm not impulsive, I'm not desperate, and the better I follow him, the more contentment I have in my life, and the more joy, too. 19. To thrust out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, and the statutes, and the ordinances, which the Lord our God hath commanded you? 21. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. God saved me with a mighty hand from the bondage of sin. And because of that, I have a testimony, and I follow his commandments, and I love his commandments. 22. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his house before our eyes. The nation of Egypt is still alive today, so they were able to survive that huge assault, but they were devastated after the Lord was done with them with the 10 plagues. 23, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. 24, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. We need to tell our children why we obey the Lord. We obey the Lord because that's what brings peace and wholeness and satisfaction into our lives. From personal experience, it's absolutely true. Learning to obey the Lord has been the exact same thing as learning who I am, learning my identity, and learning to love my life. It's all equated to the same thing. 25 And it shall be righteousness unto us if we observe to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. When we obey the commandments of the Lord, we are practicing righteousness. And the Bible says in the New Testament that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, which means when you are practicing righteousness by obeying the commands of the Lord, your prayers become a lot more powerful. other peoples who aren't obeying the Lord. I know a lot of Christians who get called upon to pray for people because they get answers. And the reason they get answers is because they obey the Lord. And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 6.